Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Scott Rose, Chief Innovation Officer at Class Valuation, to talk about the recent federal changes to appraisals and why they could make the appraisal profession stronger. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking with Christina Bennett, Senior Vice President of UWM Sales, about a career in the wholesale channel. Christina, is there a particular career path or skill set you commonly see with those looking to become independent mortgage brokers? Hi, Sarah. Honestly, typically what we're seeing is retail loan officers moving over from wholesale, but really anyone can come over into the wholesale channel. You don't have to have a lot of experience. There's a lot of support for anyone coming over. We're seeing a lot of college grads, military veterans, also retired government workers. Honestly, it's just a great place for many people to be. Thanks, Christina. And listeners, you can go to BeAMortgageBroker.com to get more information. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Sarah. It's great to be here. We've seen so many changes over the last 18 months. Um, in the appraisal space. And so if you're a if you're a real estate agent in mortgage, if you're a lender, if you're an appraiser, there are so many things now to know about. From your perspective, what are some of the, the changes that we've seen now in valuation, the new options for valuation? What do you think the benefits of those are? Absolutely, Sarah. Yeah, there there has been a lot going on in our space. Um, everything from modernization initiatives to regulation and regulatory changes, and um, you know appraisal bias issues and things of that nature. Um, I think one thing that's really important is a lot of appraisers and lenders have been closer to some of these test and learn programs that have been going on for the last several years and working to. Um, really ensure that the new products and solutions are working well and, and introducing more advanced technologies into the process to collect property data, et cetera. And I think this is fairly new to a lot of the real estate agents out there. And they're starting to see some of this activity now that some of it's moving to policy and there's new options becoming available on the mortgage side. And for instance, when they have a, a listing um, you know, that's that's going through a transaction and they're being contacted by a property data collector instead of an appraiser, it kind of sets off some red flags for them because they're unsure. Like, what is this? Why isn't the appraiser visiting the property? And and I think it causes some uh, you know, initial discomfort, obviously not knowing what these programs are, understanding property data collection with a waiver um, where, you know, you have value certainty up front and, the, and there's no value that's going to be coming in through the process. It's just identifying and ensuring the property meets eligibility standards to a desktop appraisal where now, you know, we can go and get data and information and send that to the appraiser, um, you know, at their desk to perform, to perform their component of the job and understanding where this is leading and how much value it can bring to them as well, which I don't think they all have a clear picture on why we're doing what we're doing. And, and they also quickly forget uh, 21, 20 and 21 um, when we had huge appraiser capacity issues and that these solutions are really being put in place to help solve that as well as create a better experience through the whole sales transaction and, and streamlining, streamlining the valuation process by allowing that to not be the long pull in the tent any longer. And, you know, products like desktop right now, we might have to go out and proactively collect some additional information, 
But the opportunity is long-term that data and information could be collected at point of list and then leveraged to, you know, generate appraisals in a matter of hours instead of weeks. And I think that's really the goal, right, was to say, hey, where the risk, where it makes sense from a risk perspective, where we have a lot of information on a property already, or if the, you know, depending on the loan type, um, you know, let's let's make the the whole process easier. And I think the catalyst for that was clearly the 2021 and 2022 backups in appraising. Sure. Yeah, that's that's a good question. And, and you know, um, value acceptance plus data, the, the Fannie Mae program. Uh, for the most part, you're not going to see too many upgrades to a hybrid or, you know, desktop being more on the on the purchase side, direct to desktop. Um, if you do need to move to an appraisal in, in that process when you've done property data collection to support a value acceptance plus data program, um, the only thing that will really drive that into a hybrid is if there is a change in the loan file, which can happen, right? If there's a change to debt to income or other aspects of credit that change the um, eligibility criteria within DU, then you would have to move to to hybrid, but it really shouldn't cause too much inefficiency because you don't have to go back out to the property. You don't have to revisit the site and that data can quickly be moved to an appraiser to generate the hybrid, which, you know, shouldn't take more than um, a day really at most to get that completed. And still the, you know, massive efficiencies that's saved on the majority of these files will outweigh those, you know, those scenarios and still most likely done faster than going to a traditional appraisal or what we've seen historically with traditional appraisals themselves. So there are efficiencies in in the system for both value acceptance plus data, which is Fannie Mae's um, data and waiver program or ACE plus PDR, which is Freddie Mac's data and waiver program. Um, so when it comes to that third party data collection, property data collectors, um, is class going to be providing that? Do you guys already provide that? We do. Yeah, we have a fungible solution that covers the requirements for both Fannie and Freddie programs. Um, and I think it's actually important to note too, you know, when we, when we hear maybe some of the initial, um, you know, pushback or concerns around these programs is there's a lot of different providers out there that are providing these solutions. Um, Fannie and Freddie have gone through a, a, you know, a criteria process to ensure that the vendors are set up to support the programs. But I think it's important that the programs have and use advanced technologies to support them. For instance, at class, you know, we use um, modern, uh, you know, 3D scanning technology that is repeatable. It's standardized. So we can send five people out to the property and get the same five results every time. It also comes with a digital twin of the property. So if it does go to an appraisal, that appraiser gets a complete virtual tour and can really, really interact and view the property as if they were there physically. We've integrated our platform with all the appraisers, downstream applications to, to drive efficiencies for them. Um, so all the data flows seamlessly into their, their platforms, you know, creating more efficiencies for the appraisers. And we've really focused a lot on creating a, a solution that is focused on the appraiser. So they do feel as though they're getting all the information that they need. And we really are the only solution at scale right now that has that complete digital twin and virtual rendition of the home for the appraiser to, to walk through and view the property as if they were there physically. What do you say to appraisers who feel like, you know, this is eventually, this is the step one, or maybe it's step five or whatever in, in replacing uh, a physical appraisal altogether? Yeah, I understand that fear. Obviously, I, you know, I'm an appraiser as well. I talk about this often. I, I would love to be able to perform desktops and, and hybrids in, in the future, maybe when step away from more of the corporate side of things. Um, 
but if you look at what they're doing now, and if you, if you listen to, you know, I know you've talked to Lyle Radke, um, you know, with Fannie Mae and Scott Reuter and, you know, Danny Wiley at Freddie Mac. Um, a lot of these programs are actually adding data collection to population of loans that were already eligible for a waiver. So it's cannibalizing waivers themselves as much or more so than it is actual files that would be eligible for, or, or go to an appraisal. And, you know, for a lot of appraisers out there, this creates the opportunity for them in the hybrid and the desktop space to actually earn more with their time and really helps the industry solve for the capacity issues and also bring in new talent into our profession. You know, we need a younger, more diverse network of appraisers out there. And, you know, bringing somebody in to an industry that's still using um, tape measures and, you know, uh, digital cameras to capture the information and then, you know, enter that information into a word processing type environment is not what's attractive to the next generation coming into the workforce. And so bringing in 3D scan technology and data and analytics that create more objectivity in the report and support the value and the conclusions, which, you know, class is focused obviously heavily on the data collection side using technologies there, but we also have technology with data master on the back end that helps to drive efficiencies both in bringing data into the appraisal forms themselves, but also supporting the analysis for the appraiser doing market analysis and, um, you know, other aspects of, of the appraisal process that bring more technology to the development of the value opinion as well. You know, your, um, your title is chief innovation officer, right? Um, and I think that the thing is, to have some some innovation, I mean, it's definitely helpful to have all this data. And it's one of the things I think gets lost in this whole debate is like, one of the things they're trying to do is standardize the data, which is what the what these new rules allow. 100%. And whether we like it or not, as appraisers, we know as a fact, that historically, the data that's in UCDP that the GSEs have been gathering over, over the last decade, if you have five appraisers go out to a property, often you get five different results it's human nature, right? I mean, there's, there's error in terms of how we're capturing information or just different ways in terms of how we do capture that information. Are they measuring to an ANSI standard or not? Appraisers have had flexibilities and freedom around how they report certain aspects of the property throughout the years. But what that does is it creates a disparity in terms of how information's reported on, on properties around the country. And there's technology now that exists that can really help with this. And it brings, it, it creates a standard. As I said earlier, it makes it repeatable. So we get the same results with five different people viewing the property. It's much more accurate in terms of the measurement that it can, um, you know, yield, as well as it provides more detail in measurements with detailed floor plans instead of just perimeter sketches that we've seen historically in, in appraisal reports. And so, you know, you asked earlier about, obviously, there's some fear with change and appraisers have, I've been an appraiser, um, you know, for over 20 years now, dating myself. We've been worried about AVMs replacing our profession for years. And the reality is AVMs are great in mass, but they're not great when it comes to identifying very specific values on a specific property. The human interaction in this process is very important. And I think that the key stakeholders that are driving these solutions all understand that. And if we the, the bigger risk in my mind is if we don't modernize, if we don't adapt with newer technologies, that's when they'll find a replacement for our profession. Because then we're affecting the experience for everyone by being too rigid. 
these tools are here and they can improve the quality of the product that we're providing. And we really need to um, embrace that uh, versus run from it with, with fear of our profession, which is understandable. I, I, I understand the, the, the concerns, but at the same time, we also, I think, need to lean into it. We need to lean into these technologies. There's a lot of negative press around appraising right now, um, you know, and these are opportunities to improve that and, and build back more trust by using tools that offer a more credible, objective report and that are supported by data and analytics versus just opinions um, and subjectivity. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's hard to figure out how many of these are really going to be used because at the beginning of the loan, you don't always know who the investor is going to be, right? And so depending on that, uh, they might they might want a full appraisal. And so you can understand how a lender might just be like, let me just do that you know, from the get-go, so I don't have to go back and do that or pay twice or whatever. I mean, what's your feeling about that? No, I, I th- that's a good that's a good point, and I think it's something we have been thinking about. Right, we've been working with with both GSEs. Uh, we work with our customers, and we work obviously with a lot of the top lenders in the in the country. Um, our solution is totally fungible, so one site visit captures all the information necessary to support all of the programs, from ACE plus PDR, value acceptance plus data a desktop appraisal, a hybrid appraisal, whatever that scenario is, one site visit gets us all that information that's necessary. And so what we found is with that, there really aren't too many concerns about that investor switch. Oftentimes you don't know where it's going, right? Lenders don't know where those products are going to go in the secondary market. And so this gives that ability to have a fungible solution. And both GSEs right now are also working on a data standard alignment. Um, right now, there's some discrepancy between the two, and we've worked, um, you know, we've created a solution that supports that and still gives fungibility. But they're working together right now. FHFA is asking them to align on their data standards. So then we have one single data standard that can be used across all these products and, and solutions. So I, th- I think the industry understands that. And I also think, Sarah, one thing that's important is a lot of this has been done in test and learn over the last four years. And so those of us who've been closer to it, we've worked through a lot of these challenges, right? It wasn't all hunky-dory right out of the gate. There were some really poor solutions that came out in the beginning, and some folks might have experienced those at that time, and that now they're like, I don't want anything to do with it, right? Um, before all these technologies were added into the process, and class is not alone. There's some other um, of our you know, co-competitors or um, you know, competitors out there that are leveraging advanced technologies as well. And there's some folks who have really invested a lot of time and money to create a better experience. And I think that's the most important thing is that we've learned in test and learn programs over hundreds of thousands of these, that the KPIs, every KPI is improved. So it's not like this is just being thrown out there to test now. We've been working with key partners over the last four years and multiple vendors, multiple lenders with both GSEs to test these programs and make sure that they're working as we would expect, which is to create a better experience. I think that's a great point because, you know, not everybody is paying attention to the, the you know, when things are rolled out or pilots or may even be able to know about that. So I think that's a great point to make. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and, and so, again, I think a lot of folks, this is very new to them especially maybe more in the real estate agent marketplace. Like it's just something they haven't seen a lot of because a lot of the test and learns were done in refinance programs as well. 
Um, and so it wasn't as common necessarily on, on purchase transactions other than maybe during COVID, there were some, you know, COVID um, alternatives that people utilized that also helped lead to these desktop products, right. Um, that we have in policy now today. And I think what's in my mind, what's important is that we start also helping them understand what's the potential is in the future. And to me, that's all about data at list, collecting the information at point of list. And the tools we use to collect the data at list are tools that get used to enhance the marketability of a listing as well. So when we go out and, and create a, 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 a virtual tour and, and the process to, to generate that virtual tour that can be used to, to enhance the listing and provide higher quality HDR imagery, floor plans, dollhouse views, all those cool things you see in the listing that they use to enhance that, uh, that listing and the marketability of the property. On the back end, we can collect all the data to support these programs. And so then all of a sudden their listing now is not enhanced through the marketing side, but also when it goes into transaction, now it has all the data that's required to support a desktop appraisal. And you could literally get an appraisal back in a matter of hours on that transaction. And even in the future, when transactions pick back up again, which, you know, we hear, we're hearing a lot more. I, I listened to your podcast, uh, I think it was last week with, with KP, and he's talking about 24 and 25. I've, you know, I've heard a lot of different lenders out there talking about 24 and 25 when these interest rates start to slide back down. Um, you know, I'd love to hear what, what, when Logan talks about this, obviously talk to Logan often, you know, we're in a high rate environment. If, if the rates do slide back down, we're going to pick up again. The purchase market will pick up, the refinance market will pick up and appraisers will get busy. We want to have these solutions in place for that time. And now is the time to start getting comfortable with them and understanding how they can be used to, to really improve the whole um, cycle of the valuation process on, on the back end. And, and we can get to a point if, it, if it's a you know property data collection and, and waiver, potentially that can get to a real time uh, where you don't, you don't, you're not waiting at all. It's just done just like it's a waiver. So lots of opportunity here for us to improve that experience, which Sarah, I, I don't know what you think about this, but I, it sometimes is, is uh, you know, it's interesting to me. Appraisers were the nemesis to the purchase transaction. We heard complaints throughout 20 and 21 regularly, obviously managing all these appraisals around the country from real estate agents complaining about timelines um, these are the products that have been developed to help with that. So that doesn't happen again. And so learning to understand, to embrace them, I think is really important. I think the other thing is, um, to your point on the, on the listings information, I'm right now at our gathering of Eagles conference and there are some pretty impressive, you know, lots of people are trying to, uh, provide technology and are providing technology that really gets um, uses AI to identify the features that will make things more attractive, but are also the things that, you know, um, talk about the value of the property, right? So it recognizes stainless steel. It recognizes um, even I, I sat through a demo the other day and it recognizes the amount of natural light that comes into a room. Um, so pretty interesting when you think about that being applied um, to the valuation. hundred percent. And I think we talked briefly earlier before we jumped on the podcast, but now is the time when these things converge can be done at the same time with a single visit. All of that stuff that you just talked about can all be done through the imagery captured to support a virtual tour, to, to build a dollhouse, to build a floor plan, to capture property data, to support mortgage, to understand the, you know, how much light's coming into the property, to understand which photos are best for you to actually 
put on the listing to increase more traffic to the property, right? There's tools out there now that will tell you from all these images, use these, put them out there on your, on your listing because it's going to drive more, more traffic and interest in the property. It, it can all be done together. And, and so, you know, maybe a little bit too is on the onus is on us, which is why we're starting to talk about it more now. I don't know that we got out in front of this market as much as we really should have during the test and learn programs. And when, you know, we were focused on appraiser adoption, I, I'll be honest, like that was what we thought was going to be the hardest thing we had to deal with during modernization. And early on it was, but now we have thousands of appraisers who love these solutions. And I, I think that's also something that we like to make um, a point of when you use a more comprehensive solution with virtual tours and everything else, you, you inspire confidence in the appraisers to want to do these products. Um, you know, we have appraisers literally calling in asking for more because it allows them to stay at home as well and, and not have to go out like in Michigan in the winter when there's an ice storm or, or right. a blizzard, you know, or in Florida in the summer when you're sweating profusely because it's a hundred degrees and humid, you can stay in the comfort of the air conditioning of your own home or the heat of your own home and you can generate values and it's the highest and best use. You know, John Dingman, our chief appraiser talks about that often. He's usually the one out there talking to appraisers most frequently, but you know, it's the highest, best use of your time. How many industries have bifurcated their processes to focus the expert where their highest and best use is, is needed. Um, it's, it's the appraiser. That's where we want them. We want them in the analysis. Um, you know, we want them driving the opinions of value. They don't necessarily have to go out into the field to, to look at the property. And, you know, I also say most appraisers typically when they did view properties, they usually put in, um, you, you know, a, a lot of things in the report to, you know, point out that they're not a home inspection expert. And if they want someone to look at these things, they should engage with them. Right. Uh, structural engineers, um, mold experts, whatever it might be. It's typically things that we've, you know, put disclosures in our reports to, to limit risk anyhow. I appreciate um, the idea that appraisers are embracing this in some ways too, because I think we tend to hear about the appraisers who are worried or um, feel like this is taking their job. So it's great to know that like there are appraisers out there and lots of them who feel like this is um, a good thing for the industry and for their, for their profession. Uh, absolutely. So one of the things you talked about early on, I'm going to change topics a little bit here from the changes, the recent changes to, um, or at least those, those, uh, you know, tech changes to, you know, the fact that the federal government has had such a focus on appraisal bias and and cutting out appraisal bias. And it's been such a tricky conversation about how do we how do we identify it when it happens? And then what happens if people feel like there has been bias? And so, you know, just recently, last week, we had five federal agencies that proposed a new interagency guidance on reconsideration of value, which is what happens when you get, uh, you as the consumer, get a, an appraisal back or evaluation and you you don't think it's correct, right? And so what do you feel like about about that to have um, new options to really expand or, or at least codify what happens and under what conditions you should be able to get a new valuation? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're highly supportive of, of that. Um, we're also highly supportive of the alignment. You know, there's, there's different folks working on these processes right now and, and um, you know, rules and uh, guidance around the ROV process and they are talking to each other and, and we know that. Um, and, and so I think we are going to see alignment come through. 
um, you know, with the interagency, with HUD, um, potentially some guidance coming from FHFA to the GSEs um, that will align so that we have kind of one standard that can be used across the board that everybody can get used to and accustomed to. We know that, you know, um, this is something that has and should be accessible, has been historically, even through Dodd-Frank, it, it specified the things that you could do um, to, you know, question an appraisal report and ask for more clarity or, you know, mitigate errors, things of that nature. And so I think this is going to be really positive to have some, you know, more explicit guidance and, and rules and, and alignment across all of these channels so that we have a standard there that we can all um, leverage and, and stick to. I think the standardization part is really the, you know, the foundation of so many of these things, because how do you decide if something is fair or not, if you don't have some standardization in the data, for instance? A hundred percent, which again, you know, you talk about the data and I think one of the things about the property data collection programs is, is getting to more standard. Even the data going into UCDP will become more standardized and it can be better leveraged, right? When you have inconsistencies in data, then it becomes more, you know, risky in terms of the, uh, the things that you're deciphering from that information. And so creating more standardization, even in the property data side is just going to continue to enhance. And one thing I didn't mention earlier is not only when you collect that information at point of list, now, not only is it available for that subject property, but now we're also creating that data and information available for the comparables that will be used for the next transaction, right? So it's a snowball effect to where we're starting to get more information, more comprehensive information done in a standard way. So it's, it's, it's apples to apples, um, you know, across comparable uh, comparability, right. Um, and to the subject property. So uh, it really improves the whole system. We start to get to creating this, this standardization there that will just impact every uh, step of the way. So earlier this month, you know, they um, we saw uh, federal action um, looking to standardize AVM use. Uh, would love to hear what you think about that, right? To create a set of standards that um, govern all AVMs. I guess I thought there already was one, to be honest with you. I'm not an appraiser, nor am I in the appraisal profession, but I was like, isn't an AVM pretty standardized already? So the, no, you're you're right. Um, there what there is some uh, guidance around AVMs that has. Uh, been leveraged, you know, through interagency uh, oversight with lenders and um, and banking institutions. I think this is an expansion on that and, and creating um, a, a little bit more robust um, quality control standards that, you know, something that Dodd-Frank had talked about. Um, and we've been kind of waiting to, to have to take place. They also, I think one thing that's big in this recent release, which I, I believe uh, it's the register today or tomorrow, there'll be a 60 day comment period. We've been starting to, to, to read through the information um, now to, to kind of get our arms wrapped around everything, but is going to be the introduction of ensuring that the models don't violate any, you know, fair lending um, aspects of, of the process. And so I think that's a positive um, just having that in there as a requirement will um get people thinking more about that and how models are, um, you know, interacting with this data and, and information. So I think it's still a little bit to, um, you know, 
to come in terms of where this ends up. Um, and there's going to be a lot of people providing comment, I, I imagine. Um, but there has been some, you know, oversight there. I think this is just going to formalize it, lay, add in some layers. And, you know, I think it's a good thing. Again, I, I, I think understanding and having more transparency. ABMs have also been a little bit black box throughout the years. Um, and, and so this might bring a little more transparency to how those models are operating and help people understand more how they're generating the, the outcomes. I mean, um, you know, to me, AVMs have always been a great tool for use in larger analysis, like, you know, portfolio monitoring, um, secondary market transactions where you're trading thousands and thousands of loans at a time. They're, they're pretty good in, in terms of uh, understanding mass valuations, but we know that, you know, at a singular property level, the, there's a lot of uncertainty or, you know, outside of very homogenous market areas, you're going to get some tails in terms of inaccurate results. You know, one of the tricky things about um, appraisal bias is when it when it seems apparent, first of all, uh, we haven't identified uh, one of the, the problems I have with some of the government action uh, around it is that, um, you know, they haven't really clarified what that looks like. So is that, um, you know, an evaluation coming in below a certain percentage uh, over a certain number of time? Like, how are you going to identify this? And also, who then is responsible? Because, you know, we've made uh, appraisals arm's length, right, for a reason. Um, And so how is, uh, you know, a lender supposed to be on the hook for that? But even how is, how are, um, you know, AMC is supposed to do that. Like really, uh, how is anyone supposed to know ahead of time that somebody might be, uh, might have a bias that's going to come through or if it did come through, even if it was unconscious, um, I would love to know what you think about that because we see different, um, you know, actions by the federal government. We see civil actions at the end of the day. How do you know if someone, you know, who should be responsible for knowing if someone is, is, um, perhaps, making a bias part of their appraisal? Well, that's, that's a big question, Sarah, for sure. Um, (laughs) And I know, I know the NBA recently, I believe wrote, um, you know, something in, in, into the um, agencies, like on, on this particular topic in terms of where, like to the CFPB in terms of where the, the burden lies in terms of appraisal bias and there's a lot to unpack here. I still think we're trying to figure that out, to be quite honest. But there's some immediate impacts that we know we can do, right? And so you can start. There's a lot to unpack in, in this whole issue from um, understanding singular bias performed by a singular appraiser versus systematic type of activities that have taken place over the years where maybe certain areas and markets have been affected, which the appraiser is not going to necessarily be able to address. Um, and I think you have to look at those independently of, of each other, where we focus mostly is like, hey, let's focus on what we and where we can make an impact um, in this process. And I think it can start with objectivity. Right. So even using these tools, when, when we were awarded the spotlight innovation from the Brookings Institute and the Ashoka Challenge on valuing homes in black communities around the, the property data collection technology that we utilize, I think the foundation of that was around the transparency. Right. So historically, like if we go back to the housing crisis, 
when we were more worried about appraisals being inflated in value than potentially somebody bringing in uh, a value lower than what that value should be, like we're talking about today. I sat. I spent six years on the board of real estate appraisers here in Colorado, right after the housing crisis. And ninety nine point nine percent of the time, when there was an appraisal that was overly inflated and it had confirmation bias, right, where they were, where they were appraising to a predetermined value or trying to inflate the value to get a transaction to go through, it starts with misrepresentation of the subject property. Take a picture that way and ignore what's going on that way power lines, commercial influence, um, damage, whatever it might be that would impact that value in a negative way. Because in order to select comparables that would represent a higher or a lower value, you have to display the subject in a way that doesn't draw questioning to those comparables that you've selected. And so creating full transparency with a digital twin of the property at data collection. Now, now appraisers are basing their opinions on data that's being provided to them versus data they're providing to you. So I think that is actually a positive for both parties. It can protect both sides as well. John Dingman talks about that a lot. If he were out in the field today, he would actually use this technology to provide that full transparency with his appraisals himself. So there was never a question, right? This is what I saw at the time of my appraisal. I have a complete fingerprint of that at this point in time, right? Um, and so it starts with transparency there. And then when you get into the appraisal process, you know, stay away from subjectivity. That's the one thing we know right now. That's what's, you know, they're going to teach you in, in classes and, um, to, to make sure appraisers understand word choice and leaving your opinions on certain aspects out and focus on the data and the facts, um, you know, and compare properties based on those facts and have objective support, using data and analytics to support your, your uh, opinions of value and not saying things like this is a, you know, a superior neighborhood or uh, appealing or non-appealing or, you know, these, these subjective terms that, you know, historically appraisers have, have used a lot. I mean, including myself, when I first came into the profession, we would, we would use terms like that to articulate and report on our opinions. And you really just have to stay very objective and you have to use data to support your decisions, period. Um, and so I think that's where we need to focus today on, on the appraisal profession is continuing to bring in more objectivity and more data and, and analytical tools that support the conclusions through data and, and not through your own views of how you perceive certain properties or certain neighborhoods. You just have to stick to the data. Well, Scott, I think that's a great place to end this conversation because um, really it, it brings us back to the front where we talked about standardization data and how to make the how to make valuations more accurate, faster. Um, so I really appreciate you coming on today and and uh, answering the tough questions and uh, really giving us your viewpoint as you know someone who is an appraiser and also um, works for a class valuation. So thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome, Sarah. It was a pleasure to talk with you and. Enjoy the rest of the conference, and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.